On today's Friday edition of the Locked On Texan podcast, we dive back into the YouTube comments, have a great conversation from Trevor Sikama over at PFF, and a lot of people have been talking crazy about Vegas Mills and this year's uh, projections. We'll dive all into that this episode of the Locked On Texan podcast. But first, Cody, let's start the countdown. You are Locked On Texans. Your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Johnson Sports Guy Hickman, joined by Sports Illustrator's own Cody Davis. Super excited for today's show. We haven't been able to really dive into the YouTube comments in a while, Cody. And I'll just start it off with my boy, Barbara Koa, six six six. So uh, I'm I'm guessing that he got some uh, real hot tacos of Barbara meat that he makes. But this was on the uh, first day after the draft show where uh, we talked about John Mechie and the rest of the class. And he mentioned that during the draft, people become enamored of speed. But there are a lot of plenty of fast receivers who don't make it in the NFL. Route running is what makes the difference. And this mm. was in regards to uh, John Mechie. Hey, and one thing about it is I definitely agree. DeAndre Hopkins ran a 4-5, not necessarily the speedier type of wide receiver. However, when when he was in Houston, not the Cardinals, but in Houston. Was like, <laughs> I see what you did a, there. Was a perennial <laughs> all-pro, a perennial 1,000-yard receiver, and that was due to his ability to get open. And, you know, I think early in, in his career, that was one of the knocks on Hopkins. But then when we saw him progress and get better and better, you know, his ability to catch the ball, hang on to it. But when at the line of scrimmage, was very important. And, Cody, I'll say this. I think that's why the Houston Texans really like John Mechie because they know he can do two things. He is a route technician, and he understands how to find zones and sit in them, right? And like I said before, that's what quarterbacks love, a smart wide receiver that's able to find places and soft holes in the defense and exploit it. So I would 100% agree. Look, speed isn't necessarily what you should always look for there's so many different uh, aspects of wide receiver and route running is, if not number one, one A. Yeah, I think that might be one of the best comments that we ever got because it speaks to what is actually a realization of what I like to consider a problem with you know scouting these wide receivers everybody wants speed 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 and john i love that you talked about deandre hopkins using that as, as an example because he is what if not the best the second best wide receiver that this organization has ever had and i'm about to use another wide receiver who was known for his speed kiki qt remember him you're talking about a guy who was known for his speed and he did not see the field at all and we thought maybe it's because he was inside bill o'brien's doghouse and now he can't get off the practice squad as a member of the indianapolis Colts. but in terms of john mechie i do not believe this is going to be a problem he was by far one of the talented wide receivers entering this draft class and he has a mixture of both speed route running ability and anything else that you want to see out of your potential 
ain't your future number one wide receiver. Absolutely. And a player like Mechie, whenever he's healthy, uh, he's the type of player that I think the other wide receivers surrounding him can benefit from his contribution on the field. And uh, Kevin Moten, this was three days ago, he said Mechie is Cooper Cupish. High praise. I'll take that. <laughs> Very high praise, right? And so I think what we're getting caught up in right now is a lot of the fans are uh i think just very excited for this draft class and i do remember i mentioned that this may have been the texas best draft class at as of right now uh i was corrected by saying the 2006 draft class which featured mario williams domico ryan's charles spencer Ed winston owen daniels um and, and david anderson that was that draft class and as of right now I have no problem with saying that I, I, when I look at 2006 compared to this year, at least of what we was able to see out of that draft class, yeah, I think right now, 2006 edges them out. We haven't seen nobody play football in a regular season, so I'm okay with that. You know, I understand I'm a reporter, but there are certain oh, things in my life I would never get over. And the Houston Texans surpassing, not even the passing of this young in that draft class. I'm still mad about John, listeners and viewers. So I'm not going to say, oh, for that reason alone, I'm not going to say 2006 is the best draft class in the history of this franchise. I might have to go with 2017, even though in hindsight, things did not work out well. But in terms of the potential, in terms of what those players did in a short amount of time that they was there, of course, you're talking about Zach Cunningham, of course, Deshaun Watson. They put this team, they put this this organization on the map and had this team a respectable organization for the short amount of time that, that was here. But all jokes aside, 2006 is in running for one of the greatest draft classes of all time because regardless of how I feel about them um, passing up on Vince Young, it seems like Mario Williams did have the best career in terms of Young and even my boy Reggie Bush in New Orleans. Yeah, and then this is also the show where we talked about Derek Stingley and how, <laughs> you know, we got killed <laughs> in the comments too. You know, how early on should Houston throw him out in the fire and – Mm. Uh, my man Phillip said we sound ridiculous. He's selected to play CB1 in the NFL. There's not a, two ways about it. Uh, he's going to face he's going to face top wide receivers regardless of how we try to shield him. Gardner is going to be the face of the AFC North. The NFL is full of top receivers. That is their job to cover them. They don't have to shut wide receivers down but limit them. Um, Scraper Scraperaro 1975 said. This is a, a rebuilding process. You're trying to win a playoff game, but uh, earlier than that. But then we also got what kind of dumb question is that? We have zero corners <laughs> capable of being CB1. Stingley was made for this chance. You can literally see the Hall of Fame mentality in his character. So, can I take this one real quick? With us. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think we were just saying more so for the fans, hold off on your expectations of him coming into the league day one and just being shut down a little bit right and i think the Texas should just you know wait a little bit he's coming out for injury 
Yeah, yeah, and that's what I was about to say. Look, at the end of the day, we're not knocking him for his talent because we think he's going to be just as good, if not better, than a lot of you listeners and viewers out there. However, you do got to take a look at the reality of the situation, and this is a guy who is coming off of a season where he only played three games, and he is still he he's still trying to get back into playing shape. And me personally, I would like to see the Houston Texans just kind of string them along just a little bit slower than just throwing them out there day one covering their opposing team's number one wide receiver because like I just mentioned, he still got to get back in playing shape, which I'm pretty sure, you know, he has done everything possible to take care of his body, making sure that he is ready come day one. But I, I just don't want to rush the process. Let's just say that. Absolutely. And he did sustain... Uh, a Liz Frank injury in that recovery time is about a year and a half to maybe up towards two years. Now he is an NFL where they have better science and better doctors. And so I'm sure that it helps speed it up, but just caution everybody. Once he's ready to really fully take on that load of being CB1, uh, then I think we'll be all right. Fine jewelry, right? And whether your mom or wife prefers one of those statement pieces, or everyday subtle elegance, BlueNow.com has fine jewelry options for every mind. Shop high-quality classic diamond earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, or gemstone pendant necklaces. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNow.com. And locked on Texas listeners, our listeners are getting $50 off a $500 or more purchase. This podcast excuse me, this podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. Use promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in a discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. So shop stress-free and find your forever peace to do that. It's very simple. Go to bluenow.com today. And while you're scrolling on the internet, BetOnline.net is still your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. So find all of the latest sports developments. Will they trade LeBron? And league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs. The Major League Baseball is starting up. And this weekend's run to the roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. So BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to esports to the playoffs and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions over at BetOnline because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back, Locked On Texan fans out there. As promised, joining today's show, Trevor, over at PFF, again, formerly of the Locked On Network. So we're keeping it close here keeping that family ties. And we got to talk about the 2022 NFL draft for the Houston Texans, Trevor. And, you know, I remember when we discussed the draft last time, let's go around, um, a tackle was was on the board in your mind, right? But we went Stingley at number three overall. How would you grade that for Houston, knowing that they needed a cornerback for Levy Smith's defense? It's hard for me to – hate on that pick at all because Derek Stingley was my number one overall player in this class. I had him as the number one player on my big board. I think he was a top talent. I really do. So for the Texas to be able to get him at number three, I loved it. Look, there was plenty of talk as we got closer and closer to the draft. Were the Texans going to go with the corner? Was it going to be Von Garner or Derek Stingley Jr.? Or were they going to go offensive tackle? A lot of people said Aki Aquanu. Some people talk about how 
the old New England regime had the ties to the Alabama players, so maybe it would have been Evan Neal. So it was really between those four guys. And they ended up going with Derek Stingley Jr. And look, a lot of people saw that pick. Even the ones who really liked Derek Stingley were like, hmm, it's interesting. With the Lovey Smith defense, which doesn't necessarily play a ton of press man shadow type of coverage like Stingley would be good at. Um, but then everybody out there who didn't see it, there is a video of Lovey Smith getting on the phone, calling Derek Stingley. It's a, kind of like a behind the scenes thing. And Lovey Smith says to Derek Stingley Jr., he's like, we got a plan for you. How about you follow around the number one wide receiver every week? And Derek Stingley was like, sounds good to me, man. Like, that sounds great to me. So, look, I, I got to have faith that even though Lovey Smith is more of a zone defense guy, that's where his bread has been buttered over the last decade, I got to think that a player with Stingley's talent was drafted for a specific purpose, and that's to play a little bit more man coverage and to let things be a little bit different. So I love the pick. I, I got to give it an A. I really do because he was the top player in the board and, uh, for me and my big board, and uh, they got him at number three overall. And I would definitely suggest everybody go check out that behind-the-scenes Texan draft call footage. Uh, the one thing about the NFL, man, they know how to sell moments, and that was a great moment for, I think, a lot of fans to see. You know, I do want to look at the overall grading of this draft. And I know you guys over at PFF, you look at the analytics and the, the, the numbers and small details that make it skipped over. When you look at rounds one through six for Houston, starting off with Stingley, ending with Deckless, how would you grade this draft for the Houston Texans as of right now? Yeah, I mean, I thought this draft was an A-, minus, honestly. And it's one of the highest draft grades that I gave. And, of course, look, nobody's played yet. These guys haven't played down in their NFL careers. So there's so much that's going to happen between now and when we really get to, to grade how this draft was. But according to how I think they navigated it, how I think they drafted according to my board, the players that I like a lot in this class, I thought they did fantastic. Really, the only reason this isn't an A and is instead an A- is because I'm a little hesitant on the Canyon Green pick. They picked him a little bit early, if you ask me. However... They just need a really good offensive lineman, not necessarily a tackle. Like, Howard's still a tackle, so I guess, that, you know, they, they still might have belief in him there. Kenny Green can play a variety of different positions for you. If getting your best five offensive linemen on the field means that Kenny Green plays on the interior, he can do that. If it means that he's playing an offensive tackle, he can do that. And I'm hoping he gets to hone in on one position a little bit more than he did in college because as much as it's great to say he has versatility – he played too many different co positions in college. He was rotating too much. So hopefully he gets to hone in on one position, really work on his craft, and maybe they'll see an Elton Jenkins type return on investment as a guy who could be a big-time starter for them, which we have seen Jenkins be for the Green Bay Packers. So, look, I really like that pick there. The Jalen Petrie pick, again, really strong in the secondary. That is what Lovey Smith wants to be. It makes a ton of sense. And then two guys who – shoot, three guys, actually, their next three players – John Mechie, Christian Harris, Damian Pierce. I think that John Mechie is really underrated from this wide receiver class. I think he's a really smart wide receiver. He understands route running very, very well. He's got a great feel for soft zone coverage. He had more drops than I thought he was going to have this past year, and, and I, I'm not sure what the deal with that was because I don't think he has bad hands, but the injury obviously knocks him down a little bit, but I think this is a really great wide receiver. I honestly think that he could be a wide receiver too right behind Brandon Cooks in this offense, especially for how depleted and unestablished the wide receiver room is. Christian Harris gives you a lot of athleticism in the middle. Really great linebacker 
option there for them to get that late in the draft. And then Damian Pierce, one of my favorite prospects in this entire class. I went to the University of Florida, uh, full transparency, but look, he is awesome. Damian Pierce is going to be somebody who is a locker room leader, who is a fan favorite, who when they get the ball in his hands, nobody's going to be more determined on the football field to do their job. And I think that that was a fantastic pickup for them as well. Maybe he's never going to be a bell cow bat, but I think he'll always be a rotational piece and a great piece in the locker room as well. So really all the way up to that pick, which is the fourth round. And then, you know, you get later into the fifth round and sixth round and, you know, Thomas Booker, uh, Tegan, you've got Deculus that you mentioned, like those guys are, are fine. I like Booker a decent amount, but day three picks are kind of just throws at the dartboard, if you will. It's really those picks before that you want to nail. And I thought the Texans really did it. Yeah, and I, and I also like Damian Pierce. I had an opportunity to talk football with him just briefly at the Senior Bowl. And uh, not on the field style, but personality style. He does remind me a lot of Clinton Portis. Just that uh, radiant personality uh, that we saw to Clinton Portis that, you know, is very attractive. But I do want to go back to drafting Christian Harris. Uh, mm-hmm. A player that, you know, has a lot of question marks around him. Uh, is he going to be established in the past passing game? He has a lot of comparisons to Zach Cunningham. Um, would you say that he is a day one starter? Or will he need some help from Miles Smith, uh, our linebacker coach down here, to just kind of learn the NFL game at linebacker? No, I think he's – look, whether or not he starts, I'm not sure, because you love the athleticism that he brings – I think he's a prototypical linebacker in that regard. He gives you that potential to have the speed on the field when it comes to pursuit, sideline to sideline stuff, going to get ball carriers, but also just attacking the line of scrimmage and blitzing. And then, of course, in coverage as well. He doesn't quite have the coverage part down yet. I'm looking at our grades here now. Had a 52 grade in coverage, and that's out of 100. So 52, not great. He's still working on that coverage area of his game, translating that athleticism to that point. But I, I feel like there have been a lot of examples over the last couple of years where teams have taken linebackers and even if they have needed work, they've played them right away with the thought that the snaps, the reps, the repetition, if you will, is what is going to accelerate their learning curve, get them up to speed as much as possible. So where I would say that Christian Harris certainly needs work in coverage still and how he goes about that, the Texans might feel the best way for him to learn that is just to go out and do it, uh, especially for a team that, look, they're not – it, every week isn't paramount for this team. It's not like they're competing for a division title or a playoff spot next year. So this does get to be a little bit more of a learning year for a lot of these rookies. And for that reason, I've got to think that Christian Harris, even if he's not the perfect kind of prospect right now, is going to get a lot of playing time this upcoming year because they're want they're going to want to get him to have those reps under his belt to learn on the job, if you will, and then hopefully year two, year three, he's really established as a middle part of that defense. I want to circle back over to uh, Keon Green, and I will like to mention that Nick Casario already came out and said that as versatile as he is, more than likely he will be playing guard, that interior offensive line position, and I think that's great for Houston because – that's where they need the most help at right now on that offensive line. But can you tell us anything that we wouldn't already know going into your grades, how good he is in run game? Does he need to work on any other aspect of his game? Well, I mean, I, I like to hear that, that he's going to play guard because 
that's what I thought he was going to be going into the NFL. That's where I slotted. He had the versatility to help you out in a pinch, but you know, he moves well enough to be an offensive tackle. I think I, I just felt like you were getting a plus guard. If you were putting him on the interior, right? Because you think about it, you need more athleticism. You need more experience in space. You need to be better in one-on-one situations. If you're going to be an offensive tackle, you have less help. That's why those guys get emphasized and paid a lot more because it's a lot less help. It's a lot more one-on-one stuff. I think Kenyon Green was adequate at handling guys one-on-one on the outside of offensive tackle. But I thought that he was well above average for his skill set, his traits, his movements, his physicality, if you put him in guard. So now, instead, you have a guy who gives you nice athleticism, good experience, of course, a lot of versatility when it comes to knowing what the person next to him is doing, which you guys know is so important for the chemistry along the offensive line. But also, if you really want to start getting into power plays, counter plays, those man-blocking, gap-blocking schemes, Kenny Green can be an integral part of that because of how well he can move, how well he can pull, all that kinds of stuff. So I, I think that with him going to the interior, it is his highest ceiling, if you will, because instead of stretching him and saying, okay, well, maybe he can survive an offensive tackle, you instead get to place him in the guard and be like, okay, this is a plus guard. This is a guy who is going to be able to come in and give you those higher-end plays and guard could be a mainstay for them for many, many years to come. Lastly, Jalen Petrie, a player who I've compared to Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, and I don't think that's too high of a ceiling. Um, going into the draft, how how can I put this? The rating of Jalen Petrie, like did Houston actually get the best player at 37 for what they needed? Because I think they did everything that he brings to the game. How would you look at Jalen Petrie as a Houston Texan now? You know, I think overall athleticism is the thing that – just worries me a little bit about Petrie because when when he's playing, his play speed is a little slow, or at least it's not like jump off of the screen at you. But dude, he's so great as a slot defender. He's fantastic on the blitz. He got an elite 92.7 run defense grade as a run defender. So you know he loves when we tack down the line of scrimmage. When you get him in that area, it's kind of like this safety nickel linebacker hybrid kind of player who's so comfortable in a variety of spots. He can play inside shade, outside shade of those slot receivers, understands leverage really well, knows man coverage, had a great feeling for zone two when we were watching him at the senior bowl. So I just think this is a good football player. He just understands the position really, really well. He might not be this alien type of athlete that some other teams are prioritizing. We've kind of seen that we've talked a little bit more about in this draft process, say like a Dax Hill or something like that. I think Dax Hill from Michigan – is more athletic than what Jalen Petrie does. They kind of play a little bit of the same position where it's that safety nickel hybrid. I'd tell you that Jalen Petrie's a little bit more of a downfield guy, but all that to say, Dax Hill's got that athleticism that you gravitate towards and it pops out at you on the screen. I don't know if Petrie has that athleticism, but he's still, he's still so smart. He understands things so well. He is a guy who you mentioned him as Tyron Matthew. And if he had a Tyron Matthew aspect to his game. It would be for me when a quarterback looked up at the chiefs or the Texans or whoever's defense Tyron Matthew has been on over the last five or six years. When a quarterback looked up one play, Tyron Matthew could have been like a downhill, strong safety creeping towards the line of scrimmage. The next play, he could be a strong safety with outside leverage. The next play he could be like, Oh, as, as a true high safety, but on the left side of the field now, 
Another time he could look up and he might be up with the linebackers at the linebacker level. Another time he could look up and he might be looking like he's going to threaten as an edge rusher off the edge. That's what made Tyron Matthews so valuable is that he was just this guy that quarterbacks had to every single play. The very first thing, okay, break the huddle. Where is Matthew? Where is Brady? Right. Like I have to, I have to find out where he is because the whole rest of the defense might look a certain structure, but he's got that freedom to roam around and kind of do whatever. Not saying Jalen Peters is going to have that as a rookie, but that's the hope that he can get into this kind of mold, this kind of player where a quarterback looks up and goes, okay, I need to know where Petrie is because he could be anywhere on any given play and he could do a lot of damage if I don't pinpoint him there. So that that is the area where I see if he's going to have a Tyron Matthew kind of impact, it's going to be like that because of how versatile he can be. Trevor Sycamore over at PFF. Before we get up out of here today, man, let everybody know where they can find you on all social media and your great work. Sure. Uh, at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. It's where I tweet out all my stuff. And then, of course, Pro Football Focus, man. We're digging into it already. We're going to get into some summer scouting of next year's draft class, as well as, of course, previewing how these rookies are going to do, not wow. just the Texans, but every team as well. So, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're taking a little bit of a deep breath right here, but we're getting back to it in a couple of weeks, man. I'm excited. You know, the, we have a joke here at the Locked On Texan, uh, with the Locked On Network. The NFL does not have an offseason. It's year-round, 365. And so uh, everybody's working right now. Until we meet again and we reunite, Trevor, thank you for stopping by the Locked On Texan podcast. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it, John. Anytime, man. Listeners, summer is coming. What the heat is it's already here, right, Cody? And with summer, you're going to want to need some food on the go, and Bill Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Hey, you could throw it in your bag or in your kid's backpack. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled and ready for all of your summer vacations and adventures. And the best part about Bill Bar, they're healthy and delicious. So no more sacrificing delicious food for health. With Bill Bar, you can have the best of both worlds. It's easy, and all you have to do is go to built.com and order right now. Also, most Bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. But the best part is, we're not just telling you guys about a bar, right? It's just all this healthiness. No, and listen, all the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Okay, I know y'all like that real chocolate out there. So go to build.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at build.com. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make Locked On NFL your second listen. The schedule may be dark, but the NFL never stops, and neither does Locked on NFL. Get insight and opinions from hosts, including Roth Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins, plus local locked on hosts repping all 32 squads. There's no offseason for real fans, so make sure you are subscribed to the Locked on NFL YouTube on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Cody, the disrespect, <laughs> right? The disrespect and the disrespect that I am, uh, I would say, referring to is on – are they still on ESPN, Keyshawn, no. Jay Williams? Okay, so Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Max Show, they posed a question, and they were ranking the second-year quarterbacks, right? 
And the list went like this. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Matt Jones, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Davis Mills. Now, before I hand it over to you, number one with Trevor Lawrence, that's a total given, right? And I think that's because he has been always widely regarded as a can't-miss prospect at quarterback. Combine that with what he had to go through with Urban Meyer as his head coach. I think everybody is looking at Doug Peterson being a more competent head coach and understanding that Trevor Lawrence can get his stride back right, right? So number one is, is a given for me, and, and I think that's fair. Justin Fields is a quarterback that I disagree with. Matt Jones, who is my favorite team quarterback, they just drafted Zach Bailey, a quarterback, in the fourth round. If he was the undisputed quarterback, uh, I don't think they would have done that, right? That and I also have my personal feelings about Bill Belichick right now, but whatever. Zach Wilson, hey, listen, I didn't think Zach Wilson was all that coming out in the draft. I do think that the New York Jets did a better job of putting more talent around them. However, um, with Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, I don't see how any of those those two players, including Justin Fields, can be picked over Davis Mills that was – uh, considerably better than the, those three players in their rookie year. Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, you got to look at Mac Jones as a player who was able to win games for the New England Patriots last season, show some bright moments. And then again, with Trevor Lawrence, he's just a, the golden child who will be inherited by, well, a quarterback will be playing with Doug Peterson as his head coach. So that situation and that atmosphere will be better. But no way in hell should Davis Mills be sixth on this list. That is disrespectful. Cody, go ahead and take it away. Especially being ranked behind a guy. I don't even think Trey Lance played, what, five games last season? And I just don't understand why so many people are disrespecting Davis Mills. Like, I don't get it. I understand it. He's going into his second year. We still don't have a lot of film on this guy. But first of all, John, I have a problem with this whole list because I think Matt Jones should be number one on this on this list. I understand that Trevor Lawrence is the golden child, but if we're going off of what these guys showcased last year, Matt Jones should be number one. But if you want to argue Trevor Lawrence, I get it. I understand it. You're talking about a generational, supposed to be generational quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. I understand it. I give you that. But number three on this list definitely should be Davis Mills. And the disrespect that people are showing to Mills doesn't just stop with this list that we're talking about here with ESPN. It goes when you take a look at the way too early mock drafts in 2023 that has the Houston Texans selecting a quarterback with the number one overall draft pick. So... And who says we're going to be never, unless the Browns totally stink? Who says the Houston <laughs> Texans will be the worst team in the league, by the way? Like, that's just foolish. That, yeah, I just do not understand why people are so hell bent on throwing away Davis Mills. And my, I guess if at this point, if you want to call it, you know, support for Davis Mills comes comes in where. I saw Davis Mills last season doing rookie training camp, rookie OTAs or whatever the case might be. He looked terrible. He looked terrible in training camp. He looked terrible when Tyrod Taylor got hurt. And through those first couple of games, we did see a quarterback that struggled. 
But from the time that I watched him last May all the way down to what we saw during his final regular season game as the starting quarterback of the Houston Texans, this guy developed. And I believe that Davis Mills actually has potential to, to be this franchise quarterback for the for beyond 2022. Now, I understand it. I get it. Some people might might hear that statement and think to themselves, there's no way in hell Davis Mills is going to be a, a franchise caliber quarterback. But at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, if Davis Mills goes out there and continue to build off the success and the promise that he showcased last year, he's going to continue to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. And look, John, listeners, viewers, what other quarterback at this stage in, in, in their career are better than Davis Mills? And I understand the narrative. I understand people want to look at this from a standpoint and say, well, Trevor Lawrence wasn't in a good situation. Justin Fields wasn't in a good situation. Zach Wilson wasn't, wasn't in a good situation. Davis Mills was in a bad situation himself. So... I don't understand that point of the argument. He still ended up being arguably the second best rookie quarterback out of all of these guys. So it, it just really irks my nerves. And I know some people might look at this and say, well, Cody, John, y'all being homers, blah, 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 blah. Whatever the case might be, at the end of the day, you got to take a look at the facts. The films don't lie. The numbers don't lie. Every time you look at Davis Mills, he has showcased the ability to go out there, regardless of his situation, go out there and produce, and actually showcase that he could continue to develop. Because at the end of the day, John, whether Davis Mills stays with the Houston Texans or not, I do believe he's still going to end up with a better career over Zach Wilson, who I always felt was a little bit overrated. Matter of fact, way overrated to be the number two overall pick for the New York Jets. And I will say this, I think when people look at Davis Mills, they automatically attach one thing, one characteristic to all of those other quarterbacks because all of those four, five quarterbacks are first-round picks, right? They look at Davis Mills. Uh, and Again, this is the national media talking, and we have come to understand and come to terms with the national media hmm. doesn't know much about what goes on in Houston. Uh, we saw a lot of the really? national media pick – Ike Iquano or Evan Neal with third overall, and, and that was never an option for Houston, uh, realistically. So, but all of those quarterbacks or first round picks, so they will always be attached with the first round talent. Listen, if we're being technical, like if Davis Mills would have came out this year, the Houston Texans drafted the 2022 first first round quarterback in, in 2021. And if we look at first round quarterbacks over the years, Matt Liner, Jamarcus Russell, Brady Quinn, Josh Freeman, Tim Tebow. EJ Manuel, Blake Bortles, <laughs> Johnny Manziel, uh, and I also would would you look like maybe look at Marcus Mariota as one of those, but no, he's, he's definitely one of those. But he's still in the league and he's able to get a job. But those were first round talents. None of those panned out. So what I'm getting at is, do not continue to use the excuse of well they'll get it right because they're in the first when he was a third round quarterback. Went into a situation where he kind of had to play clean up a little bit two times. Deshaun Watson. And Tyrod Taylor three exactly. times, and your, and your head coach was David Kelly four times, and your OC was Tim Kelly, and still was able to put up decent numbers towards the end of the year. And overall, I think he had better numbers than Trey Lance, or Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. I think the only person who didn't have better numbers than was Mac Jones, and Mac Jones went to the most favorable situation. So, you guys in the national media understand that. You're looking from the outside, looking in, and not getting a full perspective 
of what Davis Mills can do. Now, if the Houston Texans, like they're doing, putting a lot around him to succeed, better run game, better blocking, uh, more talented wide receiver, and he doesn't succeed, then that's a different conversation. Only one year for all six of those quarterbacks. And so if you're using one year of tape and proof, then how could he not be no later, no, 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 uh, yeah, later on this list than third overall? That's so stupid. Thank you guys for checking out today's Locked On Texas podcast (laughs) on this beautiful Friday. Hope you guys had a great single de Mayo. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texas. Like us, comment, share all the YouTube comments as well. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. Enjoy the week.